0: Hi, I'm Helen and this is Why Mums Don't Jump. Busting taboos about leaks and lumps after childbirth. All the stuff that happens to your pelvic floor that no one ever talks about. Incontinence, prolapse, pelvic pain, problems that affect millions of women. One in three, I'm one of them. I have a prolapse. My pelvic organs fell out of place after the birth of my second child five years ago. And if you'd told me then I'd be speaking about this stuff out loud, I would have told you to give your head a wobble. Hi, welcome back. Whoever would have thought we'd be here talking about sex after pelvic floor dysfunction. Doing the deed when all hell has broken loose. But we are because it's important and because incontinence, prolapse, pelvic pain, birth injuries, birth trauma, to whatever degree... They all have this massive impact on relationships and intimacy, physically and mentally. It's not easy or obvious to know how to get help or where or even if you should or how to feel good about yourself or how to communicate any of that to your partner. So it's just it's yet another thing that we really need to talk about, I think, and another thing you've asked me to talk about. And thankfully, there are people out there who can help and understand, and I mean really understand. One of them is Jilly Bond, who's a pelvic health physio based in Wales with years of experience in this and a specialist interest in pelvic pain. We first spoke a few weeks before we recorded this episode, and I knew then that she was someone you would want to hear from.
1: Pelvic health issues have a level of shame um, associated with them, which is just debilitating. You know, it'll be on average kind of six to eight years before people go to the doctor and say, I'm leaking still after I've had my baby. I'm still wetting myself when I go for a run or when I'm, you know, I can't get through dinner without having to rush to the toilet. Um... And that's that's for the stuff that's becoming a little bit more socially appropriate (laughs) and acceptable to talk about with your friends. Thanks to the Tenor Lady campaigns and a lot more work like you're doing and and more kind of knowledge out there. But when it comes to intimacy, that has a whole level of shame attached and taboo attached to it beyond incontinence or prolapse. And it it tends to be that you um, in all pelvic health settings, wherever you see a, a specialist pelvic health physio, you'll always be in a private room with a door. And we all ask the same set of questions. We all ask about your bladder, about your bowel, about how everything's feeling in the vagina, or if you're a man, kind of from the front end. Um, and then we ask about intimacy, you know, and it's they're not embarrassing questions. They're just, are you achieving what you want to? Because everyone has sex in a different way and it doesn't mean penetration. It can be lots of different things. Um, but from a women's female point of view, uh, that tends to unlock <laughs> a whole... Um, a mass of problems that can occur, that people are kind of, they've never had the opportunity to talk about um, with someone that knows about it and is, is really willing to listen and has, uh, you know the, all of these issues are so fixable, so remediable Like, you know, the, I, I, I struggle to find in my mind anyone that we haven't able to make progress, at least if not really get them back to normal intimacy or intimacy that's fulfilling for them. Um, through treatment, it's 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 like having a bad back. You know, we can get things moving.
0: And intimacy after childbirth, however that has gone, is always going to be interesting, yeah. a bit of a challenge. But then, if you add birth injury, birth trauma, mm. prolapse, incontinence, pelvic pain, on top of that, it does feel like a massive mountain to climb. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, like just that that notion of when you get asked that in the consultation room or in the consultation with the physio that's probably the first time that you've really been given permission to even consider it
1: yeah and people don't consider that it's it's not normal to go back to intimacy that is fulfilling people think well i've just pushed this bus out um and i've had you know, even if they've had, quote unquote, a, a normal delivery that can be mm. ridiculously tra- traumatizing for many women, especially during this pandemic when they haven't got that support at those moments, apart from, you know, our, our great midwives that are doing the best they can. Um, so to have even a, a standard medical um, delivery that can leave you with abrasions or, you know, just small grazes, but even just swelling, pain, discharge that's different. You keep bleeding, you bleed a lot. Um, your pelvis itself hurts as everything kind of fuses back together and then you've got the process of actually just looking after a small person and from motherhood from pregnancy to motherhood you have this whole big change in um, focus from how are you how's your you know are you feeling the baby how are you doing to suddenly how is your baby and you are irrelevant and then add on top of that the, the kind of the burdens of a relationship whoever you're relationships with thinking well how am i ever going to go back to being me when i don't feel sexy and i feel a bit broken um so the psychological side of things is is really quite challenging for a lot of people and that's you know within clinic we see that so the the common issues that we have are uh, from a standard delivery where um, again i say quote unquote standard there is no standard delivery from from a medical point of view where we haven't seen any major trauma and unfortunately, I'm who you end up seeing if you've had any kind of major trauma. So our normal <laughs> deliveries.
0: We'd um, all be very glad and very lucky to see you, Jilly. Oh, there we go. There are, there are
1: thousands of us in the country, so hopefully you get to see someone. But every woman should have a, a, a mummy MOT or a, a postnatal checkup um, where your pelvic floor is checked. We check your bladder, your bowel, your vagina, um, your pelvis, your abdominals, and then how you are with your relationship to intimacy. We don't expect you to be going back to it um, at a certain date because it's different for everyone. Some people's intimacy is very sporadic. Some people like a lot more intimacy. Some people's intimacy is intense, others isn't. Um, It's about getting back to what you want to be doing at a time that you feel comfortable. And physios are there to support you in the same way that we would help you to get back to running or getting back to CrossFit after a baby. We'd, We'd show you the appropriate steps at the appropriate time. So, a normal delivery, we'd look at all of those things, but it may be that women have um, a lot of fears and really need to talk about what's happened in that process and if it's safe to go back to having penetration by anybody mm-hmm. um, or a you know by the partner or by ha- having any kind of foreplay outside. Is that okay if you've had an abrasion or a, a clitoral issue or a labial tear or something mm-hmm. like that um, or a perineal tear, and then. Then we start seeing the issues. So if you've had an episiotomy, you might still be really sore from the episiotomy scar. And actually quite often that tracks further upside. I'm I'm using my finger to demonstrate just because that's how I assess it. (laughs) Um, But it's, uh, we can feel for those stitches to make sure that they're well healed. You know, you've got the the fears around, am I stitched, am I healed? It's been six weeks, but sometimes people get wound infections. Um, So all of that can be very sore and tender and actually remain sore and tender for quite a while then we have kind of the range of injuries that go up to kind of much greater tears that involve the anal sphincter where you might be having some anal incontinence or discharge as well and that's a real tricky subject for women to broach because they come into clinic going you know i I can't sit down with my husband i can't go out for dinner um or my my partner i can't go out for dinner i can't leave the house because i have this horrible incontinence from my back end and it's beyond embarrassing. It's it's awful. It's truly debilitating. They want that fixed. They're not necessarily thinking about the next step of, of and how can I perform in the bedroom? And if prolapses as well, um, there may not be pain, but there may be feelings that aren't normal. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in that first six months as everything's kind of getting stronger and getting past its swelling and calming down. Um, so we, we have layers upon layers. You have the biological issues that can happen around delivery but then the huge amounts of fear because we don't talk about it you know your mum yeah. doesn't sit down and say oh well I had anal incontinence for three months <laughs> after my delivery and then I discovered I had a um uh, a prolapse I had a rectocele um but after I did my pelvic floor exercises and I had some coaching that all went away no. and then me and your dad managed oh, to have sex again <laughs>
0: <laughs> no that's not a conversation that um, think I think I'd probably want to have love your mum but still no um but you're right like the mental side of it um you know, you're knackered anyway. You're a new mom. Mm. You're looking after kids. And then like, I don't really ever think that I considered what my own vulva looked like before mm. I had my prolapse. And then afterwards, I was just a bit like, I don't want to think about this. I don't want to think about this in relation to intimacy. And I might be wearing a pessary. And let's not even let my head go there because if my head goes there, then that is a mood killer. That yeah. is game over. And I guess that's just, that's just at the lighter end of the spectrum. Like I don't have all those. And
1: you shouldn't, that's the thing that people often say that, well, I've only got this. Yeah. But you've got that. And it's something that's awful because it's something you've never had to consider before your bits falling out. Um, they're not going to, and we'll keep them in place and we know how to (laughs) keep everything nice and secure. But Those kind of questions, like, what do you do if you've got a prolapse and you've been given a pessary, which are, by the way, given to younger people. We don't put pessaries in ninety-year-olds anymore because they fall out. But yeah, what do you do when you've got a pessary or someone's given you a pessary which has fixed your problem but hasn't really, and you want to go to the gym? Do you where do you put it in when you get to the gym and you're getting changed, or you want to go swimming? Do I wear it when I swim? Or what happens when it comes to intimacy? You know, is he going to feel it? Is she going to feel it? Is it going to move? Am I going to lose it? Mm-hmm. So these are all the questions that as uh, as pelvic health physios, we are very comfortable to navigate. And often it will take a couple of sessions for someone to feel comfortable enough to say, you know, I want to do this with my other half. Is that okay? Am I going to damage myself? Um, or, you know, how can I achieve this? And is this normal? And that's just about trusting the physio that you're with. But nothing in in these consultations is off limits um, as regards to discussing and and kind of about intimacy. Because
0: we we talked a little bit before, didn't we, about even the visual aspect of it. So the mental Mm. thing relating to how you feel about your own vulva and what it looks like. And we talked about, you mentioned the great wall of vagina, which I am Mm. now familiar with.
1: Good, good. (laughs) What do you think?
0: it's incredible you know yeah so for people who don't know this is uh, an art installation it's plaster of paris molds of uh, lots of different people's vulvas and vaginal mm. entrances and uh, the artist is jamie mccartney and yeah i don't know there must be hundreds of them mm. sort of side by side by side and they're all so different they're all yep. so different and they're it's not so like, they're there's so no perfect no yeah. no
1: and the, the joy yeah. is that you can see older ladies you can see younger people you can see people with prolapses people with um jewelry uh people with more hair less hair um there's lots of wonderful things that you can see on this because it's normal bodies and when we were talking about um intimacy and problems before and i was we were talking about this kind of the fact that for women 80 percent of uh, sexual arousal is is uh, mental, and it's about mm-hmm. feeling turned on, you know, let alone the fact that you've, your hormones are telling you not to feel sexy when you've just had a baby because it's about keeping the children that you've got alive. So you, you yeah, don't get right. aroused as much and you don't get so much lubrication um in that way. But when you've got potentially, you haven't, you know, we don't look at our vulvas when we're young. No. Um, we all should. We should, like, yeah. we, we do breast checks, um, but we don't look at them. So then when something, as huge and life-changing as a child happens it's difficult to know what's changed if you didn't know I was there beforehand so the one that sticks in my mind is that lady that was uh four years her, her child was four years old and she wanted to have a second child and she was referred to me because sex was painful and so discussions through clinic we worked out actually her issue was that she'd had a tear and was beyond traumatised by what that was because tearing of the most intimate part of you but then also was incredibly ashamed of what she looked like and what we did was we uh, she took pictures of her vulva safely in clinic not uploaded to anyone's iPad <laughs> um, and we compared them to the great world of vagina and we just went through one by one by one and, and she went actually by the end of that session she was like actually it's quite pretty it's quite neat <laughs> And, and we were able to discuss these things So it's, but that, that's all about expectation one of the really important things to know with pain is that pain is not always dependent upon tissue damage pain is a, is a response of the body to protect somewhere that feels like it may need protecting because of tissue damage or the potential for tissue damage and is based on predictions by your brain about what it thinks is going on And that's really, really important to know that it's your brain making predictions. Now, most of the time, if it's your hand, if it's your arm, your knee, these predictions are quite accurate because you can see those bits. But when we start talking about your vulva, which you've never looked at, (laughs) um, you've just gone through a massively emotional, traumatic experience, which hopefully was positive, but we know that even the most positive experiences have trauma within them. Mm -hmm. Um, You start having issues with that prediction being possibly much more negative
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then you're dealing with an area that you physically can't see because it's inside you as well within the vagina so those predictions are not accurate necessarily and this is where we see the much more complex and beautiful side of pain with intimacy which is where you know i'm a specialist within a specialist so i deal with with pelvic pain as my what i do all day every day when i'm in work um, and that's where we see the body is doing an amazing job of protecting you from what it predicts is happening And that prediction is that you've got a tear or you've got more damage or Something else going on. So it's going into spasm. So it hurts to have sex because all the
0: muscles going to spasm that's incredible.
1: Yeah Yeah, it, the so body is incredible.
0: It, it's sort of relating what's happening in the bedroom Just mm. because it's that part the same part of your body with the yep. trauma or whatever you want to call it that you went through when the baby came Yeah, and it,
1: it it's the same process that we do when we learn to walk because the body gets good at predicting how you're going to feel when you stand, which muscles it needs to use. But this time it's applying it to, to keeping you safe and keeping you alive. And those predictions aren't always true. So this lady that had serious pain with intimacy, it was all based on the, the predictions of her brain that were still going on about this tear still being there. But we got to the point where I could assess her and I could touch that tear where the scar was and it didn't hurt her. And I was saying, right, so if that isn't hurting, then what's hurting? And yeah, she was what going, oh. is... yeah. Everything becomes very hypersensitive. So if you've yeah. ever had um, like, a really bad cut, but the, the cut itself doesn't hurt, but all the skin around it does. Right,
0: okay, yeah.
1: Yeah, why is that?
0: Don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Makes no sense,
0: does it? Yeah, Why yeah. Why would
1: an area that's not in, injured or damaged hurt? It's there to say, don't go any further because you'll damage yourself more. Yeah. Yeah, so it's the same downstairs that, as, that can happen. So the skin of the vagina inside can become hypersensitive. So it's kind of, oh, don't touch me, don't touch me, you might damage me. But really there's no damage to be had uh, 99% of the time. Obviously in the early stages postnatally with, with tears and things, we need to give them three to six months to heal. Um, and we can encourage that in the way, the same way you would have a, a cut anywhere else in your body, you'll heal, it will get yeah. better. And if it's tense or tight, We need to help it relax and a lot of the time that's the issue is that it's kind of forgotten how to relax it's doing so well at protecting you the whole area needs to be soothed and calmed and that's the key to getting intimacy back in uh, in any postnatal pelvis is finding what the crux of the matter is biologically and psychologically
0: Mm -hmm. and then if there is that sort of over tight pain then that can be done through massage or
1: yeah so most physios will um will do a therapeutic assessment which it means that we when we when we assess in the pelvis when you have problems that are very i leak when i do this when i jump all the rest of it we're looking at the muscles we're looking at how strong they are how far they move up and forwards Mm -hmm. um can they resist things like that they're going to be strong enough to lift but when we have pain We won't do that, we'll say, how does your body react to me, my finger touching you? So, Mm -hmm. is it hypersensitive? Is it making predictions that I'm actually cutting you or hurting you? And a lot of people say, yeah, it feels like I've cut, I'm I'm raw inside after giving birth, but Mm -hmm. we can say, well, actually, you've really well healed, your scar's well healed, everything's nice and plump, it's soft, it's pink, you know, give all that reassurance, and that starts to build better better data upon which your brain can make these better predictions that are more accurate about what's going on and so we see the pain come down over time so it's a process of kind of reassurance, education about what you look like, what you feel like um, but also calming everything down. So we'll do these therapeutic assessments and physio should never hurt and if you're in any pain postnatally and someone touches you or does an assessment it hurts they're not doing the right thing. Um, Mm -hmm. You need to find another physio or you need to tell them to begin with Mm -hmm. that it hurts. Um, but we'll calm the the muscles down as well, and we do lots of very gentle massage that you can also do yourself. It's not rocket science. Um, it's just you know a bit of an awkward angle in the shower or the bath.
0: <laughs> that can make a difference. And, then, and yeah, and um, so that's the kind of pain aspects. If if there's people mm. listening to this, and for them it's just like, I mean, there's probably lots of things going on, but on a very practical level, maybe you can't even begin to contemplate intimacy because you leak poo Mm. or you leak wee I mean where do you even start with that I think you mentioned earlier you know that that's your priority getting that sorted to a point Yeah,
1: you start with getting the problems fixed so a a very very common um, you know one in three women will have incontinence at some point during life postnatally or postmenopause and every single woman that I've ever met has had an impact on their intimacy in some form because they're afraid that they smell um, and afraid that they'll wet themselves during intimacy. So, you know, people aren't getting back to normal foreplay to normal other forms of intimacy, um, uh, oral sex, those kind of things, because they just feel awful. Same with prolapses, same with anal incontinence. So the first thing to know is that all the research that we have, and at the last count, I used to work for a journal, um, and the last count we had 82, Randomised controlled trials showing pelvic floor physiotherapy and and training is curative for more than 80% of people with incontinence. I think it was somewhere like 88%. Um, So we know that three to five months of of doing some pelvic floor exercises will get you dry from bladder incontinence or get you um, sorted from anal incontinence. If you've been doing it, cracking it out for three to five months yourselves and nothing's changed need to make sure you see a physio to make sure you, A, you're doing it right, and B, is there anything else we can do to maximise or improve that, and I promise there's hundreds of things. <laughs> so we know that we can solve those incontinence issues, and while we're doing that, while we're in the process of solving those incontinence issues, can we look at how your bladder's filling, how it's emptying, can we try some tricks of the trade to make sure it's emptying fully? before you have sex, so really simple things. So postnatally, we know a lot of women um, get small uh, kind of stretches in the bladder, uh, in the vaginal lining, so kind of mini-prolapses or everything can be a bit more um, fluid in how it moves inside and it's not so supported. So actually just sitting on the toilet, not pushing down, but rocking forwards and backwards, massages that bladder over the tube in the middle, allowing any water that's caught in the corners to come out. So again, nip into the toilet before you have sex granted it's not brilliant for you know if you're in the mood but but come on let's be honest if you've got a child it's (laughs) timetabled.
0: yeah spontaneity is just not really the thing is it no 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 it's
1: (laughs) nap time sex Um, so you can nip to the toilet and just try and see if we can empty it fully then that'll give you more of an opportunity to feel calmer that actually no no urine's going to leak out but pushing down to strain to get poo or wee out before you have sex isn't helpful because that's going to put more pressure on the, the tissues in the middle. And it, we've also got loads and loads of um, brilliant little things that we can do from a bowel point of view to to stop that happening. So we look at changes in your diet um, that are individualised to you that can help it uh, to, to make more formed stools or to help you shift during the day. So if you know that actually you're more likely to have sex in an evening or in a morning, whenever it is, can we work on a way that we know your bowel's always going to be empty then? And there are also certain medications we can talk with the doctor that would firm up your stool a bit more, so it's not likely to fall out during these moments. There are supportive devices, other things that you can pop there that, again, will give you these, uh, this confidence to know that things aren't going to happen, which will allow you over time to continue with your treatment to get those primary issues solved. But In the meantime, you can go back to intimacy if that's what you want to do.
0: And it's, it's like, it's a staged process, isn't it? You're not yeah. gonna fix all of these problems. It's not like there's no magic silver bullet. It's a little no, bit yeah. of time of trying different things, I suppose.
1: Exactly, and it's the same way that
0: you think about going back to running. So if you were a
1: runner before you had your baby and you really, really wanna go back to your 5Ks or 10Ks, um, you're not gonna go straight out, you know, six weeks postnatally and go, right, I'm gonna do a 5K. Uh, you'd fall over wheezing in no time. It's, uh, you know, the catch to 5K approach A little bit of running, a little bit of walking, making sure that your pelvic floor can cope with it. And that's the same process with intimacy. So we take a much more staged approach to making sure that you feel in control, that you feel comfortable. So are you comfortable to be touched? You know, that's the first stage. Not just intimately, but um, is there that intimate touch in your relationship already? And I would say most women that have a significant issue... Uh, with more likely with pain or post a a tear or a c-section that's still sore that come into clinic will um, have a because they don't want to get to the point of sex they'll be sitting on a different sofa they'll be avoiding touching a bum in the kitchen when you're making a stir fry that kind of intimate touch that's normal in a relationship but signals that we're going to move towards having some intimacy later so Do you know, I think that is out. so
0: interesting. And I think, like, you know, I'm going to put my hand up and say that I have probably done that at points mm. and without even realising that that is what you're kind of doing in that situation. Yeah. So the idea that you can just unpick that little by little, I think that's really a useful and helpful thing.
1: And it, it's got to be led by you. So you, you've got to be comfortable, to, but the physio will have... The skills and the tools to kind of help you to find where you are and where is that grounded space that you are in right now, and where would you like to get to? Um, and we definitely come from a point of view, and I keep, hopefully, I've reiterated that enough in this session that sex isn't penetration, sex isn't man and woman, sex is intimacy between two people. Um, so, and regardless of who the physio sat in front of you is, they will help whoever you are to achieve whatever you want to do, which is normal for you as long as it's legal and consensual. Um, then you know that anything goes as far as we're concerned. We're just we're here to optimise your function. And the first step is saying, Yeah, are you even getting any form of intimacy? You're holding hands. Is that something maybe that you would think about working on this week? Right, you can't hold his hand or her hand. Okay, why? Because I'm scared that actually then they're going to be like right all over me in bed later and I've got my jumper and my dressing gown because I'm cold or I'm pretending to be cold and I'm wearing my socks and my um, my gross pants so they don't come near me and um, all of these signals have kind of stay away from me right well what do we need to do, put in place for you to feel safe enough to be able to take that first step you know we'll carry on with our physio we'll carry on with um, doing your pelvic floor exercises and looking at ways to um, you know support your anal incontinence and working forward with your diet and all these things that we do as part of your medical therapy treatment what else do you need to do to feel safe and some of the time that means working with um we've got some fantastic teams in the nhs they're better than anywhere privately um and i work in both camps so i have worked in both camps so i can say that comfortably the the nhs psychosexual services are brilliant they are doctors and nurses and therapists that are trained in counseling around intimacy and problems with
0: it Do you feel like there is a way to help everyone? Because I think you know this must. Some people must be feeling really desperate.
1: Yeah, I've never come across a case that I've not been able to help them move forward in some way. And as I said, with intimacy, with intimacy, yeah. In in pelvic health, we um, we see everyone that we can. We would see every single woman if we could, because these are the conversations that happen behind closed doors with your friends and aren't always real. Cause even people, when you think, you know, loads about it and you've had a couple of babies and you've leaked for a while and it's, you know, you think you know what you're doing, actually talking to someone about everything to do with your pelvic health, you might realize that there's a lot of it that can be changed. It is not normal to leak ever. It is not normal to um, pass stool ever, <laughs> unless you want to. It's not normal to have any form of pain after you've had a baby it's not normal to have no sensation so a lot of women will go i just yeah sex isn't the same i can't come anymore well that's not normal let's see if we can improve that let's see why that is it shouldn't feel exactly the same as it did before but it should feel pretty good
0: and i think part of it as well is we have to believe that we deserve that like mm. there's this whole rhetoric around, well, you've had a baby, what do you expect? And that covers everything. Like your body's changed, y- y- your mind's changed, your energy's changed and and your sex life will not be what it once was. But actually we need to get past that a little bit and just believe that we deserve a little bit more than that. And actually we deserve a decent sex life.
1: Absolutely. it's <laughs> And there's a
0: way to get back to it.
1: Yeah. Oh, And, the- yeah. The- and there's so many simple steps and it's... Um- The first step is the hardest. Getting to your GP and saying, I've got a problem. And you don't have to say to your GP, uh, you know, I can't have sex in the way that we always used to. And that's making my other half, uh, straining our relationship. You just have to say, I've got some leakage. (laughs) I'm wetting myself and it's not got better, which is socially appropriate. Get yourself to the specialist, get yourself to the gynecologist or the physio. Tends to be the physio or the nurses that have got the hour to spend with you. to really talk everything out that's the space in which you can really explore it but and one of the things i think is really important is that there's culturally there's a bit of a pushback about being super mum and having it all you know working career and being a mum and all the rest of it this is not about that you know uh, having your body working is not about having it all and being over the top it's just about having a basic human right you know if You wouldn't, if men gave birth, then this would not be an issue. The whole of medicine is based on men and their bodies working well. If men, for some reason, broke an arm when they were playing golf, then golf would be made safe. And it's the equivalent. (laughs) Yeah. You know, women, we we have these injuries to our bodies and we're just not treated for the injuries. Mm. But it's just like twisting an ankle or breaking an arm.
0: You can get better from it. So last week in the UK, the health secretary, Matt Hancock, said that for generations, women have lived with a healthcare system that is designed by men for men. He was launching a consultation into the gender health gap. Right. We just we, we don't know enough about conditions that only affect women. And the government is now asking women in England to share their experiences of healthcare services. I've done this myself. It's an online form. I think it took me about 25 minutes. uh, And it's a chance to to have your say, right? I don't know where it's going to go, but it's a start. I'll put a link in the show notes as well as information about all the other things that Jilly and I spoke about in today's episode, which I really hope you found useful. Next time... We're going to hear from another stigma smasher, Peace, a mum who's been sharing her experience of nighttime leaking on Instagram at Baileys in Spain. You've been listening to Why Mums Don't Jump with me, Helen Ledwick. Let me know what you think. Leave me a review and please tell all your friends. You can find me on Instagram at Why Mums Don't or online at whymumsdon'tjump.com. Bye for now.